We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking dynasty trades. Should Dave and I acquire Devon Achan on Rotoviz Radio? What's up, Rotoviz? All right, what's up, Rotoviz? It is Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin, and this is Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast Dynasty Edition tonight. We started getting into Dynasty last week. We got more to talk about tonight because we've got a, a huge blockbuster trade that came into our inbox uh, over at, at FFPC uh, at Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues, high stakes dynasty trade involving Mr. Devon Achan. So we're going to get into that here shortly. This episode's brought to you by FFPC. Visit myffpc.com the home of high-stakes dynasty fantasy football, and, of course, of our Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues, the funnest way to play dynasty fantasy football. All right, Dave, let's wipe that poster because for about the next five minutes, we're going to talk about this league we joined and this T. Higgins trade that I made. Then we'll get to A-Chan here in a minute. So uh, just to spark people's memories, Dave and I adopted a dynasty orphan last week. Uh, over at FFPC, and it's a $250 buy-in. It's a nice roster. It needs a little reshaping. And we talked in last week's episode uh, about a couple of the things that we wanted to do. That turned into me sending like 100 Dynasty trade-offs uh, offers over the weekend, Dave. And so far, I've booked one of them. And I did manage to acquire T. Higgins, and so I wanted to see what you thought about this trade and what some of the listeners and viewers uh, thought about this trade. So I'm going to throw that up here on the screen and let's break it down. So I sent Amari Cooper, Jake Ferguson, and the rookie 211 uh, for T. Higgins and the 204. Again, this is FFPC tight end premium settings. And I found that one that one owner, Dave, I think, that is worried about T. Higgins' landing spot because not only was I able to get younger at the wide receiver position, I was able to upgrade my second-round rookie pick. What do you and the doggy think about this move? I mean, I like Jake Ferguson. Yeah, 211, you know. I mean, I kind of like. <laughs> Mari's all right. But, I mean, really, I think that I like this side here of Higgins and the 204 a lot more. I think that the 204 is in a spot where you're likely looking at a slightly different quality of player than the 211. 
And sure, you have the two players in Ferguson and Cooper versus Higgins, but Higgins and Cooper are at different spots in their career. I think it's very likely, maybe I shouldn't say very likely, but there's a huge possibility. Well, maybe I'm being overly, I'm taking your role here and being overly optimistic perhaps, but I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that Higgins could land in a spot where we really get to see him challenged to be a wide receiver one in a very high percentage of weeks you have Cooper on the decline Ferguson has looked good but I'm not sure that he's the type of player that's good enough that you're guaranteed to have a long window of production for him and sure it's a tight end premium league uh, which helps him to some degree his utility but I think that he's still kind of in the range where he's not necessarily separated from a large portion of tight ends as a result of you getting the piece here in Higgins and in the 204 comparisons to the 211, I think you extract a little bit more value. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Um, I was trying to argue like against myself, like because I think some people will kind of have that same eyebrow raising over over T Higgins. Like if you looked at his weekly stat explorer uh, chart on rotaviz.com, yep. he had four wide receiver one weeks. And he had a bunch of absolute flops, but T Higgins season was really weird. You know, he was injured uh, several times during the season. We also had a situation where Joe Burrow got hurt and they're, you know, trying to figure it out with Jake Browning. I mean, the Bengals just had a really, really kind of cursed year. Um, So if, I mean, if you wanted to go recency bias, you could say, you know, T Higgins had his, you know, most frustrating season. And he's also never been a dynasty wide receiver one or a, a redraft wide receiver one yet. His best uh, best end of season rank ever is wide receiver 19. We don't know if he's still going to be tied to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals or, you know, what if he ends up in, in Carolina and uh, Bryce Young is actually bad and he just, you know, goes down the tubes here. So, you know, I think I think you can make a downside case that Hey, listen, Amari Cooper doesn't really look anywhere close to washed yet. Um, the Browns were five and one with Deshaun Watson and won't have Nick Chubb at the beginning of the year next year. Maybe that squad has figured out what to do with Amari and he posts a couple, you know, age 30 wide receiver one seasons like we've seen some guys at his talent level do. And Jake Ferguson ends up still being a mid tight end uh, one in FF, uh, FFPC tight end premium. And then, I mean, the 204 to 211, it's an upgrade. But all all rookie picks in the second round are I mean, less than 50% hits. I mean, they're really probably 25% hits. So I think you can argue that that I, I missed this one. However, I think from a pure dynasty value perspective, I mean, I got the best pick and I got the best player in terms of value. So I'm giving myself the W, but I am curious, you know, what anybody uh, watching on Twitter or YouTube thinks. Anybody want to make a case against my side in this one uh, before we go on to Devon, uh, A-Chan, and that big trade. Oh. While we're waiting for any questions to come in, Dave, I am going to pull up our updated dynasty rankings. I've yeah. got T. Higgins at 35 overall okay. and wide receiver 16. I wanted to see where Sean had him. Yep. Sean, Sean has him at 36. Okay. So we're both kind of dialed in there right at the 3-4 turn in a startup uh, in 2024. And where, so, is, where is Amari? Amari, uh, let's see here. For Amari, we've got him. I've got him at 76 overall, and Sean has him at 108. Okay. So 
Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's at least like a random rookie first between them probably uh, in terms of value. So yep. yeah, I, 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 we can probably move on. I think it's most of our, our viewers are probably going to think that that is a win. Let's get on to the big, the big trade conundrum that we've got to break down. So throw that Devon HN uh, poster back up here because I've got to set the, the stage for this. So Dave and I take over this new dynasty squad uh, we've got Jameer Gibbs and we've got James Connor and David Montgomery. You know, we've got a little bit of running back depth, but we've got to remake this roster. It's an orphan. And we tried to trade away David Montgomery. We weren't really getting any bites and that's kind of understandable. You know, he's on the wrong side of 25. He's his own team's RB two. And even though he scored double digit touchdowns this year, I don't think anybody wants to bank on that happening again. And Gibbs scores, uh, you know, Gibbs scores the sexy uh, fantasy points there in Detroit. And so actually, as we ended last week's show, we wondered, would we have to trade Jameer Gibbs in order to actually make remake this roster? And so after, I don't know, two or three days trying to <laughs> trade some of these other running backs, I finally started floating some Jameer Gibbs offers out there, Dave. And one of them end, uh, resulted in a counter. I was actually trying to trade for a pair of rookie firsts it would have been the 104 and the 106 from this um, competing manager. But he responded with a really interesting trade. I'm going to put it in the chat here for people to respond to as we make our case and, and honestly figure out what we're going to do. Because I think it's a really interesting trade and I'm not sure which way I'm leaning right now. So in this move, we would send James Conner along with Jameer Gibbs for Devon Achan. The 201 and the 204. Yep. So, so what, do you, what do you think? You haven't seen this offer yet. I told you that we had a big trade coming in and we were going to talk about it tonight. What's your gut tell you on this one? Then we're going to break down the dynasty rankings, some of the metrics, and figure out what the heck to do. So I will say this. Um, my gut doesn't necessarily tell me to go ahead and make this trade, but if I pause and I think about it for like two or three seconds, I start to say to myself, yeah, I think this is something I, I kind of want to do. Now, I forget if you and I were talking about this on air or if it was after we finished recording last week, and I said that, you know, I do have some concerns about Gibbs and being able to get more value out of him than a running back that just, you know, kind of is pretty good his first three years and then kind of falls off, which I think some people would find surprising given the fact that, you know, you can make the case he has the receiving chops that make him one of these players that can stick around for a long time. I have a part of me that thinks he found himself in the perfect situation for himself to be in in this past season. And that uh, I'm not sure this carries through to future seasons. And I think it's also possible that we have seen the best season of Gibbs that we will. One could push back on that and ask me why I say that. Well, we have done work in the past that shows that running back production tends to just go down uh, after the early seasons yeah. and after a player hits a peak. Yeah. And this could very likely be that peak for Gibbs. Connor is at the point where I think it's easy to equate him to a 201 or a 204. Right. So then you're just really left with this question of you're getting those two picks. What does a Chan bring to the table? Well, we saw what that could look like 
last year, right? I mean, if I go over here, just to remind everybody, yeah, throw it up on the screen. and I click it up into the, the Stat Explorer, what you're going to see is that this man finished number five in PPR per game, number 25, Curtis, in overall PPR, only played 11 games. Why? Because he had 45% of his weeks be RB1 weeks, went over 20 points five times in 11 games, had that monster game uh, with 51 points in week three, plays on a team where there were two older backs ahead of him, showed the explosion. It's very possible if you give him 16 games, 17 games next season, uh, you give Gibbs the same, that we're looking at a Chan being the one that is the better option to have on a week-to-week basis. As a result of that, though... You know, you still might have that odd gut feeling because some of the recency bias of a Chan being hurt, of Gibbs playing for the Lions in the playoffs, getting a couple extra games there. I think I have to overrule and say at the end of the day, I would want to go ahead and make this move. This is the type of one makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable to do, but I can see a number of reasons as to why this makes our team better than it is if we do not make it. Let, let's get rid of that visual. I want to put a comment up here on the screen because in pre, I was doing a little bit of research just to contextualize Devon Chan's season. So Dave, the entire list of running backs in NFL history with seven or more yards per carry in a season with 100 or more rushing attempts, this is the entire list. Devon Chan. <laughs> That's the entire list in NFL wow. history. We've had a couple instances uh, over uh, six yards of carry, and it's been some really awesome names like Barry Sanders and Jamal Charles in recent years. Um, but that's the whole list, only one guy. And this isn't just Super Bowl era. I went back to the 30s. Nobody's done this except Achan. So, um, I, you know, I liked your breakdown and contextualizing his season. I think that we should look a little deeper at Gibbs first too because, the, like, the real question here in terms of a dynasty roster is how close are these two players? Do we feel like moving forward, um, understanding that the lions have a running back by committee and that's probably not going away. Understanding that the dolphins will also probably have a running back by committee. That's not going away, but that, you know, that gap between HN and Raheem Mostert, the 10 years, that's a little different than the situation in Detroit. Sure. And HN could ascend to get those 20 plus touchdowns that Mostert got. Gibbs already kind of is on top and showed us what that top looks like in Detroit. So can we can we envision a situation where over the next two years or so, HN outscores Gibbs and becomes more valuable? I think that that's a question that we ask ourselves because I do agree with you. James Conner is the equivalent of, you know, a higher end rookie second right now because he's probably, I mean, he looks set up to be, you know, uh, an RB1 again in 2024. He finished extremely strong when Kyler Murray was back out there. But he's, I mean, he's a month-to-month asset, let yeah. alone a year-to-year asset right now. Yep. He's very late, very late 20. So um, let's look at Gibbs here for a minute and then come back and ultimately answer the question. Um, we do have, while we're checking in here, before yes. you do that, we've got one listener coming in here, David uh, Philippi, a uh, fellow Rotavizian here. He, he says he thinks it's a winner with the extra second. You know, what do you guys think? I'm look I'm looking to crowdsource a little bit here because this is a tough one. While Dave breaks down Gibbs, let me know what you think. Achan 
and the picks or Gibbs and Connor? Which side do you like? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so if you start breaking down Gibbs' rookie year, one of the first things I think that you'll look at here is that he finished um, number eight among running backs in eight PPR per game and also was number nine in expected points per game. And it is hard to deny how impressive those nine expected points per game are uh, for a player in his rookie season, especially when you could say that it took maybe till around like the middle of the year for him to really get that true run in the offense. He was number 20 in fantasy points over expectation per game. My guess is last year, we will not see this number here. We'll probably see it dip down, probably beyond like 40 at a minimum, uh, unless Gibbs ends up being one of these players that manages to either be an outlier or flirt with being an outlier for a couple of years. Uh, he was number six in yards uh, per carry here. Um, number eight in targets, which sure that is huge. Number 16 in receiving yards, number nine in total touchdowns, 10 in overall PPR was an RB one in 40% of games an RB two in 13% of games when he was an RB one in all of those games went for at least 21 and a half points. And he did manage to go for between 25 and 30 in four games if we take a look curtis at his game log we'll see that he actually was getting heavily used as a receiver even early on in week two against seattle saw nine targets week seven against baltimore saw 10 um then it was kind of you know up and down but averaging somewhere around five or six across the rest of the season so definitely you know, one of the solid rookie seasons that you that we've probably seen from a running back. You know, even if we go back 10 years, I think this is still one of those that falls into the bucket of a player delivering on where they got drafted in the NFL draft. And I think probably also delivering on where fantasy gamers were drafting this player. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to go into the screener and pull up a couple of things here for a second. Curtis, will I let you say a couple of things? Well, you do that. I mean, another way that you could break down this trade is try to figure out, you know, what could you actually get for this 201 and 204? Um, who are those players going to be? Because we're not making this deal in August. I mean, we're making this deal potentially in February. Um, and so after you're done with the screener here, I've got a handful of names that I think could be available 
at the 201 for us. And then, you know, maybe if I could even get this grouping to five or six guys, we could get two of these players, I think, at the 201 and 204. Then we can really start to see what would this trade overall uh, do for our roster. There's some pretty exciting names and pretty exciting prospects that I think could slide here because it is a deep wide receiver class. And there's going to be a lot of quarterback intrigue and super flex. There's also a high-end tight end that will probably go in the first round of rookie drafts as well. So it could push some of those running backs. So we're trading two running backs away. I think we could maybe get one back uh, at the top of the second here as well as receiver. And receiver is really where we need help on this squad. So that's encouraging. All right. What have you found in the screener? And then we'll come back and look at Yeah. So, so what I found is if you look for running backs, I actually forget if we did this exercise live with Gibbs um, or if I looked at this outside of that. So if I've already mentioned this on air, everybody, you're just going to have to forgive me. We've been, you know, <laughs> when you do a hundred plus of these a year, it's easy for them to, to blend in. But uh, so Gibbs, if you look at, at players that rookie season guys drafted in the first two rounds, you get guys like Trent Richardson, Leonard Fournette, Joseph Dye, Chris Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, CEH, Jonathan Taylor, Maurice Jones, Jew, Ronnie Brown, DeAndre Swift, Ken Walker, Bijan Robinson, Jeremy Hill, Lawrence Maroney, TJ Yeldon, LaShawn McCoy. All right. Fantastic company there. Um, so some of the things that I've said, I do think that there are certainly fair pushbacks against um, as that is a really, really good group. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, if you take those numbers that we put in there um, and you look at his... Actually, we should probably probably hold off on talking about that till I have more time to digest that. But I guess the final thing that I, I will bring this back to here, Curtis, is the numbers for Gibbs are probably good enough that perhaps I have... I will admit, I think I might have been too hard on Gibbs at first hmm. blush here. Um, okay. But the problem is, I do feel like Chan could easily land himself in that group too, especially if we'd got to see the full run from him the whole year. So I apologize to everybody for just wasting about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, man. It's, it's fine to get a little bit mixed up on, yep. these, on these tough deals because we're talking about a couple of players that are now at the tippy top of their position. I mean, case in point, if you look at our Rotoviz dynasty tiers, uh, Sean and I are, are keeping those live on the site. I mean, these guys are in the same tier. Yeah. I mean, we've Jameer Gibbs averages out as the dynasty RB one, because that's where Sean's got him and I've got him at, at three. Um, but it's kind of a tiebreaker situation because we've both got Gibbs hall uh, Gibbs, Brees Hall, that is Bijan Robinson, Devon Achan, all in that same tier together. And so if they're in the same tier, does there, are we splitting hairs? You know, or, or should we just take this value, uh, stay in the tier and essentially get, you know, another starter level player, you know, with this potential second. So let's do another, let's do one last thing. Because what I'm hearing you break down over the course of looking at you know, the NFL stat explorer and some of the screener exercises we talk, we contextualize a chance performance last year and the running back by committees in, in each of these teams. We can use the prospect box score scout to look at a couple players and see you know, what type of upside is available at the, at the top of the second round. So at rotoviz.com, you can go to the prospect box score scout. You can look at any player that is in this year's class 
And you can, even though we don't have combine measurables, we can't really, you know, we can use player reported 40s, team reported 40s, you know, those types of things like that. We have pretty good weight. And then we can, you know, we can make some pretty good guesses, at least if a player is going to be day one, day two, day three at this point in the process. Sure, some people, you know, could could fail a drug test or interview terribly or, you know, run a, run a 40, two tens faster than expected. But pretty good idea when these guys are going to be drafted. So, Dave... Do you want to know which receivers I think will be available at the top of the second or which running backs? What do you want to look at first? I'm going to let's let's do maybe two names at each position and just get a sense of the upside. Let's just start with the running backs because we're already kind of in that space. Okay. So the the top four or so running back, I'll say top five. The top five running backs in this year's class in whatever order at this point. Yep. Jonathan Brooks from Texas. Braylon, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, Trey Benson, Florida State, Blake Corum, Michigan, and Bucky Irving, Oregon. Now, if I look at some of like the early rookie mocks that I've been part of and some rookie rankings, I don't think that, I mean, I would be very shocked if the rookie RB1 or really even the rookie RB2 slid all the way to 201 in any rookie draft. Um, even in a triflex format like what we're playing here, it's yep. hard to imagine yep. getting past positional uh, or not getting past positional player number two in any set. So let, let's just assume that, you know, the universe doesn't gift us something. I think we look at, let's just look at Trey Benson and Blake Corum uh, and the uh, prospect box score scout. So I've got Trey Benson pulled up here right now. Big Trey ben- Benson. I'm a big Trey Benson fan. I'm not saying so, necessarily yes. as a prospect, just a big Trey Benson fan in general. Uh, but okay. that, that will probably factor into that. Fun back to watch. Anyways, uh, go ahead. So, so here's high level on Trey Benson, all right? So Trey Benson goes to Oregon, ends up trans, transferring to Florida after his first season in Oregon. Uh, puts up a pair of pretty efficient seasons here, Dave, around six yards of carry for his career. 150 rushing attempts and over 900 rushing yards in each of his last two seasons and 23 combined rushing touchdowns in those two seasons also caught 33 passes. He is probably going to be a third round pick and unless he really shocks uh, at the combine. I do think it'll be a day two pick. He weighs 221 um, without entering for 40. So if we just look at draft capital weight, and, um, you know, obviously his production metrics. Yep. He pulls up Carrion Johnson, TJ Yeldon, DJ Dallas, Kendra Miller, uh, Kendra Miller uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, Matt Jones, Darius Geis, CJ Procise, Tank Bigsby, DeAndre Swift. Uh, that is his first page of prospects. So the 40 is really going to, that that's going to be an impact here. Um, let me see. Let me see what I can find on a projection four, four, five or a projection on a 40. And let's see what that does to his list. Okay. He, he may be able to run under that. So that, that doesn't update it too much. Most of those guys were already pretty fast in the cohort. Yep. So, I mean, you know, what do you think about that? You know, carry on what was an injury case. Uh, Darius guys had the draft pedigree uh, and unfortunately kind of tanked, you know, his career. Um, and then DeAndre Swift, obviously being, you know, the nicest name on that list. So you do see, even though this would be a rookie second round pick, you do see three players that I think would have an upside case 
um, out of his top 10 matches. And then this speaks to the fact that, you know, second round rookie picks are are no sure things. Right. But there is a little bit of upside available there. Sure. Well, I, I mean, for a player uh, where we've input, you know, that that expected draft spot, I actually think that's a pretty good list of matches. Uh, you know, well, none of those or I shouldn't say none of them, but not many of those guys ever became real stars. There were plenty on that list that had a couple of year stretches of fantasy runs of, of being viable. Um, and I think that Benson looks to be the type of back that does have the ability to support uh, the beginning of his career, you know, matching to what some of those backs have done. Um, you had to like the way that he came into Florida State in just his second year, you know, contributed immediately, was a very impactful player for them. The interesting thing, though, Curtis, is if you followed the team last year, you did see the team using Lawrence Toa Philly, who's very good as well, in a lot of situations where, um, it does call into question if Benson is on a roster with another back when that team really needs them, who are they going to go with? Cause there was many times, uh, yeah. where it felt like Benson could get the team, this big spark, make a big play here and there. Uh, but when they found themselves in certain situations, especially passing situations, they were going the way of Toa Philly. So, uh, is he a good enough of a pure rusher to be able to operate, um, you know, in the type of level we might need him early on in his career if he's not getting heavily involved in the passing game? Time will tell, especially if he's drafted where we think that he will be. Uh, but I think that this is a good example of the type of player that we might be able to use one of these picks on. Uh, of course, we'll have to see how things shake out. So I'm curious if we look at a wide receiver, what that level of player is uh, looking like this year as well. I'm going to throw Blake Corm in here okay. uh, quickly. That was the other other running back that I, I think could be available in this range uh, if we don't want to get um, down, you know, even further into the list, uh, you know, and Bucky Irving. And, and Bucky Irving certainly has a lot of, of fans, as he should. Uh, we can talk about these rookies more in depth on another upcoming episode. But if we give Blake Corm day three draft capital as well, you know, draft pick 75, he, he's currently weighing 214. I've got him at a four, four and change in the 40. Uh, we'll leave the non-power five conference players in there for running backs. I think that, that, that matters. We get Darius Geis, Darrington Evans, Michael Carter, Kendra Miller, Bryce Love, Royce Freeman, Ty J Spears. who has a lot of fans right now. Carry on Johnson, Daryl Henderson and Reichwell Armstead. Um, if we just go a couple players deeper, uh, we can also get Miles Sanders, uh, Javante Williams and Nick Chubb, uh, as well as Sony Michelle. So some of his matches just a little bit deeper outside that top ten, a little bit more favorable for Corum versus Benson. Uh, again, it's not there's no home runs here, but you can see some names um, that would give you some you know some pause for some upside. I, I agree. Let's look at some of the wide receivers here. Now at the top of the second yep. round uh, for wide receiver. You know, you might find if it was an early rookie draft right now, you might find Adonai Mitchell uh, out of Texas. You could find Lad McConkey out of Georgia, who we talked about last week. You might find uh, Jalen Polk uh, out of Washington also um, in this range. It's possible in a, in a QB happy situation that you could even get Brian Thomas out of LSU. Uh, although I do think that the wide receiver position is still a little bit up for grabs. 
So we'll have to we'll have to look at that. I think Brian Thomas would be a best case, but I wouldn't expect him to make it there. So probably the the first one we'd want to look at maybe is Adonai Mitchell, and then the second we could look at. Uh, we already looked at Lad McConkey last week, so let's look at Jalen Polk as the other. Okay. All right, Adonai Mitchell. I have to ask, uh, how do we spell that first name? A D O N A I. Got him. Okay, Texas, 2021 yep. to 2023. Yep. Yep, we got him there. So let me find uh, Let me find just a current So wait on Adonai. Yep, looks like he started his career two seasons at Georgia, then transfers to Texas as a rookie uh, for receiving touchdowns, receiving dominator of .12. Pretty good yards per reception, though, in at 14.69. Uh, that was so in 12 games in just four games in his second year at Georgia gets three receiving touchdowns on nine receptions. It's not till we see him arrive in Texas, Curtis, where he really got to play, uh, make a pretty big impact with 11 touchdowns, 15.3 yards per reception, 55 catches and 845 yards. All right. So Adonai Mitchell, uh, there's the career rundown there. Uh, he's currently slated in as a borderline round one, round two pick. So he's probably going to be at the end of the first round, maybe early second round, pending, uh, you know, combine measurables. I'm going to go ahead and use draft pick 40 uh, and just say, hey, let he's going to be a day two guy. Uh, weighs in at 196, projects out of four or five in the 40. That gives us a pretty interesting list of wide receiver names, Dave. John Mechie, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, T. Higgins. That's the top four. Uh, getting down below that, there's still a little bit more quality. You get Terrace Marshall, who is also a second-round pick, Dante Pettis, Riley Ridley, Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas, that's the Ohio State University. Michael Thomas, the good one. Uh, and then Lynn Bowden Jr. and Alex Pierce. That's a lot of quality. What that's year range are you in there? What's that? Are you using like 2013 I, 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 on? or? Uh... I just got the last decade, 2014 through 2023. Gotcha, okay. Yep. yep. Look at the last decade. So, so a lot of quality there. I mean, with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, T. Higgins, those are all players that actually have quite a bit of dynasty value even now. Uh, and then obviously Michael Thomas, one of the more, uh, you know, one of the most productive receivers of the last decade. So a lot of quality sims there for Adonai Mitchell. That is pretty intriguing. Uh, we should look at another guy or yep. two as well. Any reactions to the Mitchell uh, sims there? Yeah, no, that's a that's a pretty interesting group. And I think that um, this also gives a good window into the type of quality of a player that you might be able to select with that pick. I mean, sure, there's some misses on here, but there's a number of guys that if you get them onto your team, that's a player that's contributing for a while. Um, we'll have to see how things look once we get a better idea of how these players will fall but it does make me think that you know especially having those two swings with those two picks in round two that uh, does become pretty attractive now there's one thing that we'll have to go back to that i want to look at which is 2024 early underdog adp for redraft yeah. which we're going to come back to because i think there's something interesting there after we look at these rookies so who uh, who are we looking at now um, the other guy we're going to look at here is Jalen Polk um, out of out of Washington, yep. and so you know a lot of a lot of eyes on Washington wide receivers because of Roma Dunze, but Jalen Polk, the other guy uh, there, he's going to be a second rounder. I think he's going to be a second rounder. Uh, he is. I'm going to put in pick fifty five. 
Okay. He's 205 weight and uh, a 448 in the 40 uh, is the current data on him. So let's see. Why don't you run down his career quickly while I'm pulling up some sims, and then and then we'll put a bow on this thing. Uh, yes, I will do that once things come up. I have too many apps running right now on my computer and uh, with the Camerons <laughs> and what have you. We're, we're lagging a little bit. Um, so I'm just filling the space here by filibustering more or less. All right. All right. What before before we look at Polk, which way which way are you starting to lean on this trade? I mean, we've only got about ten percent of the the research left here, and we're gonna have to make a call. Yeah. So I, I think I'm leaning towards making uh, the trade, and there's there's a major reason for that that we will get to. But uh, I do have up Polk's career numbers now. Uh, played ten games as a as a freshman, but only twenty eight receptions, two receiving touchdowns, two hundred sixty four yards. We see his impact happen on his third year at Washington uh, with a receiving dominator of 0.17, six touchdowns, 41 receptions. Best year comes as the senior, uh, 0.25 on the receiving dominator, 16.8 yards per reception on 69 receptions. So we did go over the 1,100 mark. <clears throat> well, Polk Sims aren't quite as rosy okay. uh, as Mitchell's were. Okay, so at draft pick 55, weight 205, 40, just under 4.5. We get Josh Palmer, Amari Rogers, Jonathan Mingo. Not exactly an inspiring top trio there. We do get Rasheed Rice. Uh, so you like to see that. I mean, he's a player on the come for sure. Chris Conley, Chris Moore, Deshaun Hamilton, Jesu Chesson, Des Fit Fitzpatrick, Gary Jennings. So just on the surface... His production profile with the expected draft capital and uh, physical measurements make Polk look quite a bit like a bust. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this is not a perfect science, obviously. You know, the more Sims that you can get, uh, it, it kind of funnels a player into a higher, you know, probability of success. But, you know, there, there are always outliers. So at this point in the game, looks like maybe he would not be a player that will rank highly. Yeah. in our initial set of Rotoviz rookie ranks. But uh, again, it speaks to the second round picks, not exactly being, you know, guarantees, but we did find a little bit of quality here. And, you know, I think we gotta, we've got to make a decision now, Dave. So we've I'm going to pull up one more thing here, Curtis, which I think is kind of telling. Now, obviously we're playing Dynasty for a window of time and you have to consider that. But I do think that the valuation of a player at the current moment in time is a good way to get some type of calibration. And if we do a little crowdsourcing here and we use underdog ADP from early 24 drafts as a way to do that, what you will see is that you actually have Bijan Robinson going two picks ahead of Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs is going to go around the turn around one, followed by Kyron Williams. Then you do have Jonathan Taylor in there and Devonta Chain coming in maybe 10 or so picks back. If we look at this in a draft grid, right? We got Gibbs, like I said, towards the end of round one. And then we have, um, let's see. So a Chan, do you see him on this list, Curtis? It's too small from, for my eyes, the size that you have on the monitor there. Gotcha. So, all right, we got a Chan midway through the second. What does this tell me? It tells me that even in the current year, they're graded fairly similarly. They're kind yeah. of in that range yeah. where that's the same tier. And if we're trying to project these guys out a couple of years, 
Is there anything compelling that we can point to for Gibbs as a reason that he's that far separated from HN? Otherwise, I think we got to pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't point to anything. That, um, I think what you could do is you could say, you know, what would happen if, if each of these players consolidated the work from their offenses, right? We already did get to see a little bit of that with Gibbs, and he smashed. We actually haven't really seen that with with Achan uh, over an extended period like we got to see in Detroit with Gibbs uh, for that three-game stretch or so uh, toward the middle of the season this year. Raheem Mostert and his 20-plus touchdowns, I mean, those could evaporate. I mean, what, what if Achan was getting all of these green zone touches for the Dolphins offense? Now, you know, Tyree Kill's retirement on the horizon. There's, I mean, we can just go as deep with this thing as you want. Yeah. The Lions look set up at, at the position, you know, the positions across the board, maybe just a little bit better uh, than the Dolphins. But we know Mike McDaniel, man, he is the running back whiz. And, you know, he's going to be there in Miami for the long run. Health is the only question for any run, running back. And you know, that's might be the question that people would, would pull on HN there. But yeah, I'm leaning this way too. You know, as good as Connor was at the end of the season, we've never really, you know, it's never really been our brand or really any big time dynasty outlets brand to bet big on older running backs. You'd rather get out while you can. And for us to be able to say we could transition James Connor into an early second round pick and then flip uh, Gibbs for HN within the same dynasty tier agreed upon by me and Sean Siegel and still pick up an extra second. Those feel like wins, you know, they're, they're not smash wins. And I, and I'm going to put this on X after the episode and it's probably going to be 50, 50 on a thousand votes, right? That just means it's a good dynasty trade for both managers. Uh, so it won't be clear until we let the thing play out. Dave, one last bit of context. As I look at our our team situation here, we yep. also own the one eleven uh, in this in this draft for this roster. So that'll give us three players in that range that we just talked about, not just two. I don't want to double count the one eleven. We already have that, yep. so it's not like a reason to make this trade. But when we're talking like in uncertainties at this one two turn, it does you know maybe we have the opportunity to build that wide receiver depth here a little bit, which is what the team needs using a couple of those yeah. picks uh, on some wide receivers and then BPA with the third. Maybe that's running back. Maybe it's not. You know, maybe one of the quarterback slides, we build some depth there. Yep. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I think we got to do it, man. It's scary. It's scary. But I, th I think we're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it does. It gives us some flexibility with the way that those picks are set up. And then, you know, maybe with the way this falls into our strategy, once we start drafting, we have some other options. But we've said it before. We should say it again. Sometimes you have to make yourself uncomfortable to push your team forward. This is an yeah. orphan that we took over. Yeah. We knew we we're going to have to make, make some moves. Gibbs happens to be the piece that is in play right now for us to do it with. And uh, even though it's uncomfortable, I think we got to go forward and do it. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> uh, hold on here. Hold on. I got to share. I got to share the screen. Uh, I got to share the screen for the people that are, that are tuned in. We'll, we'll let them, uh, We'll let him watch this one go through. Okay. Oh, you're actually gonna. I'm I'm gonna do it live here, and I'm I'm actually gonna do something kind here because you know we had we had a couple different back and forth with this with this other manager in this league, and so many dynasty get, trades get sent back and forth with no response or just a mm -hmm. you know blanket denial, whatever. You know this other team, Pittman Bros, in our league, 
it's going to be fun playing in the league with, with these guys because they've given good feedback. They've told me what they didn't like about certain offers. They've told me what they wanted to see uh, and if I was going to counter. And this trade evolved over the course of, you know, several, um, you know, denials on other trade constructs. So I'm going to tell them, you know, great offer. Hope this works out for both of us, but maybe a little more <laughs> on our side. Smiley face. Uh, okay, here we go, baby. We are locking it. It's done. It is in the books. And it's done. All right, Dave. I think that is quite enough. That is quite enough for this episode. Uh, you know, later this week, we have a big opportunity to get into some of the updated dynasty rankings from uh, Sean and myself, some of the tiers. So maybe in an episode, we can get some of your reaction to where I've got some of these players slotted in. And then, you know, we've got an, an open show for Thursday night. So if you are tuning in and you got a suggestion for a show, something you want to hear us break down, be sure to let us know on X or at the email and we will see if we can work you in. Until next time, it's Curtis and Dave on Rotoviz Radio. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.